Hey, everybody. Welcome to Art Fight Podcast. I'm uh, Joe Nolan. I'm here with Brian Siskin. Brian, I believe this is episode 98 of the Art Fight Podcast. Am I right about that? It's true. It's all true. It's 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 if it's not 98, it's 97. I don't think we're 99 yet because I think we wouldn't we wouldn't be questioning. We would know that important number that we're coming on next week. Um, we've actually been planning some stuff really well today. We actually probably experienced the worst uh, technical difficulties we've ever had on the show. Brian, thank you for writing the ship and getting us uh, headed back in the right trajectory, getting all the sailors on board this week. I can't tell you how happy we are. Uh, a last-minute guest, uh, guy, uh, an impulsive, uh, fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of guy who most of you are already familiar with, a good friend of the show, making his third appearance more than anyone ever on our show. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Robin Black. How's it going, hey, Robin? That, good, good, good. <laughs> cool. I'm excited to be the only three. Uh, the only although three. I'm kind of pissed off. Like, Why don't you guys just jam somebody in so I can be like number 100? Yeah, like somebody in. <laughs> maybe we'll get you. Well, maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll get you in. Maybe we'll get you back in in two episodes and get you yeah, on the hundred. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that hey, ask and you shall receive. That is the way. That is the way of the <laughs> MMA gods. Sometimes, sometimes it's not the way of the MMA gods. Uh, Robin, one of the reasons why this is a good week to have you on is because earlier this week I was on a little uh, website that I like to call Fighters Only, and uh, Fighters Only uh, is a uh, website, a magazine that uh, organizes the World MMA Awards every year. No surprise, you've been nominated uh, for Best MMA Analyst yet again. Uh, I yet again voted for you, so you're Thank welcome you. for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm, I, 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 uh, I, I wouldn't vote for anyone else who didn't inspire this podcast as much as you have. Um, and uh, and I thought it would be a good time just, you know, because there's lots of, you know, stuff on the MMA Twitter and all sorts of things, people talking about the awards and, you know, what do you think about these various things? So I thought it might be a fun time to talk about that. Have you looked at the awards and checked out the ballot at all? Uh, a little bit. I have. I haven't looked at kind of all the fights and thought about that uh -huh. yet. Uh, it's really cool, though, like. I would totally be lying if I said that it, I didn't get super stoked when I saw that. Like, I literally, my wife was in the garden. I was like, fuck, that's so cool. Like, I felt so good. Uh, and I wouldn't have thought that I would. First of all, like, you know how people, this, you are nominated mm -hmm. by your peers. Right. So there's, I don't know if it's 50, I don't know if it's 100, I don't know if it's 80, I don't know what the number is, but it goes out to coaches fighters, people who work in in fighting, you know, stakeholders in the field, and they nominate people, they make a list of people. So that to me, you know, to, to think that like Mike Brown or, you know, Duke Rufus or, you know, some some high level fighter or whatever said Robin Black should be on this list. Like that's fucking cool. Yeah. That's real. You know, that's real. And that means a lot to me. It really does. I don't think there's kind of any chance I could possibly win. And I don't say that out of humility, although, uh, you know, I just don't, I was going to like take that somewhere, but I, it's not out of that. It's that part of the reality of the world you live in is how many people do you affect? Um, mm. Daniel Cormier or whoever on that list might have three, four, five million followers who love them. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got a couple hundred thousand humans who like my weird shit. Uh, so <laughs> you can't compete with that. But the idea, and people say this all the time, they'll be like, oh, it's just an honor to be nominated. But it's fucking cool. Like these mm. are the, these are real people that are really do meaningful shit in the space. And they're like, that guy's work. I like that guy's work. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. I think it's a thing too, where I think to strike out in your own direction with such conviction and whatever it is you do, whether it's analyzing or fighting or 
music or anything yeah. else. You know, I think that when you strike out in your own direction, you've, you you spend so much time sort of bolstering and reinforcing yourself of and for yourself just to sort of have mm-hmm. the momentum to, to carry out a vision or to do anything. And you kind of pre-program yourself to like not give a shit about what this person says or what that person says and you know fuck everybody like i don't care and then you you have this you get sort of slapped in the back of the head to be reminded like people actually appreciate it and you can be awarded something for it and it's like oh right i can care about that in a way it's healthy and you're also like you realize sometimes you lie to yourself like the punk rocker in us that grew up like we're like I don't give a fuck what the what mm. you know the man says about my work I'm doing it for its own reason and I think I believe that but then the morning you see that again you're like holy fuck oh shit <laughs> I was lying I didn't mm. care I didn't yeah. care and and I really think it's important really important now to care minimally like mm. the less you care about what other people think of your work the freer you will be and you want that to be as pure as possible. That's something you seek and it's something you try to cultivate and you try to create and it's a superpower. If you don't give up, because if you're gonna do anything different ever, you're gonna go through shitty. You're gonna go from somewhat acceptable to the mainstream because you're kind of within the realm of what people are accustomed to. And then if you're gonna end up somewhere good, that's different, you gotta go through, everyone hates your shit for a while. There's no (laughs) other route, you must go through that. You know, it's like you want to grow out of perm, right? You got a perm, you want to grow out of perm. It's going to look shitty. It's going to be bad. That's part of the process. You have to suck for a while or you have to like, it's a a part of the process. So you must be okay with people saying you're terrible Mm. uh, and that they hate it. And and if you are, and I do want to do things differently. It's important to me. Um, It's always been important to me to find, to, to pursue truth through curiosity always been deadly important to me um but to do that you're going to go through weird periods you're going to be an awkward teenager trying to figure that out like and uh you have to be okay with that and you have to be able to handle ridicule and and mockery Mm. and all those things you have to um so that's part of why you say i don't give a fuck what the man says is Mm -hmm. because you need to say that but then later you find out you were lying yourself a little bit you do care i do Mm -hmm. care it's it's cool i'm and the first time I was nominated, it blew my mind because I think it was Brian Stan, um, um, Dominic, and and whoever else was kind of uh, the right. biggest at the time. And then I was like, wow, I work for a small television channel in Canada. Those guys all work for Fox. Then the next year, the, actually the day after I lost my job, the day after I was nominated for the award in my field and I presented an award to Dana White for whatever he's uh-huh. leading man or whatever, the very next day they laid off everybody in my department. Mm-hmm. So the following year was a rebuilding year. But then last year, I couldn't believe I was nominated again by my peers. Uh, and so I would have figured this year I wouldn't be as, as surprised or as moved, but maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I fucking give a shit about my stuff, and I want it. I want to break through with it, and I want it to reach, you know, to be better, and I want it to be meaningful. And, and I'm trying to find truth in these weird little moments of fighting. I'm trying to mm-hmm. find real human truth. And the fact that yeah, a bunch of people give a shit is is actually really nice. Right. Yeah. No. I think it's I, I, you know it's 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 always a weird balancing act. I think for any artist in any field, just the idea that on some level 
you know, one half of your job is to make your work and the other, I don't know, the ratios might be a little different, but part of your job is to make your work and to pursue your, you know, passion and your, your inspirations and all that stuff. But the other half of your job, which is a big part of it, is to get that work out there to yeah. an audience that can see it, appreciate yeah. it. You know, you're, if you're making it in your bedroom, you, you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, if you, if you paint the thing nobody sees, is it even yeah. a painting? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I got to... I think that has changed so dramatically mm -hmm. uh, that it's probably now 90% make the art. And I know that okay. sounds crazy because I'm sharing it on six platforms every day, but that <laughs> should only take me 15 minutes because mm -hmm. the technology, it's sitting right in here. Like I literally can make it, press a bunch of buttons and it's out there. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not anybody sees it, I think the answer to that problem is more and better art too. Uh -huh. I, and I really believe this. I think Interesting. let's say you're making something and you're you're making videos. That's the easy thing because that's something we do. You make a video, you post it into the, you can make it. You, all the technology exists here to be able to make it. Um, everybody has this and I'm holding this up because my phone is right here. This is my phone right now. But I, really my phone has, and everybody's phone has the technology to make high-end video if that's the thing you make or audio or whatever. Then you spend 10 or 15 minutes spread, sharing it to these platforms and somebody would say, yeah, but you got 130,000 followers on there. I only have eight people. I still believe the best way to grow that will be just make more and better shit. If you spent eight hours trying to grow your Instagram, I don't think that's eight hours spent as well as making better shit. Because mm -hmm. as you make, in those eight hours, let's say you make six things. Those, and the next day you made six more and the next day and, and but you got so much better that you can make eight quality things and then 10. All of a sudden it's 40 great things every day being out in the world and, and if and when they become good, human beings will share them with other people and go, look, this guy's making a cool video about pianos or, or oranges or cooking or whatever. And I really <laughs> believe more and better work is the answer to s selling your work or sharing. Mm. And again, I know that when people hear that, they're like, yeah, but you make a living doing it. But I did it. Like, right. Three years ago, I had no job at all. I had I had 2,800 followers on Instagram. I got laid off from a job where my shit was made with a team of 10 people. I did, I've never edited videos ever in my life. All I used to do was make a breakdown, stand at the thing. I had a lighting guy, a makeup guy, a uh, makeup girl, um, an editor, a graphics person, uh, all of it. And then they would hand it and, and they'd put it on television. And now I'm sitting there by myself with no job going, what the fuck do I do? Mm -hmm. And my answer was do lots and lots and lots and lots of work. If you do, you'll get better at it and you'll learn all the other skills. And that was the most important ingredient to growing all the, the selling and the sharing was the doing. I really mm -hmm. believe that. Yeah, interesting. I have a very... um deep appreciation for a lot of the people that in the last couple of years or even just during the pandemic uh, have really sort of uh, bucked up to do something that they haven't done before or, you know, finally they can cap off this thing that they've been doing for a long time. Like, uh, you know, your friend Luke Thomas, I, I, like I, I have such an appreciation for what he's done in terms of his own channel, irrespective of all his other things. Mm -hmm. Because I know that he's not at heart like a tech geek, like sort yep. of uh, creative nerd type of person. No. And he's just been building that channel and building that channel and going through improving and, agree. you know, like better lens, yeah. better this, better that, yeah. figuring out how to do all this uh, OBS yep. stuff or whatever. Anybody that I've seen doing that stuff has been super inspiring to me. And I'm actually way more 
predisposed to actually yeah, right. like do it. You know, so I'm like, well, okay, if I'm seeing people that yeah. like this is not their jam yeah. and they're killing. If you're it. seeing people yeah. who who do something else, <laughs> yeah. find these answers. Right. And this is what you do. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. But it can be done now, right? Like yeah. there. And you're right. Can you imagine if you were 14 right now? Like I know the world is much scarier. Mm -hmm. If you're younger, because it's um, so much is uncharted, things feel like, you know, the path seems more convoluted, it's scary. But if you're 14, like all of this stuff is second nature. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a 14 year old in the world who can't just whip up an edit on their iPhone. Now, that might mean that people like us, Luke, yourselves, me, people who can make these things, these skills will be commodified and they won't be valuable and rare. So mm -hmm. th that could be challenging for us in the future. But at this point in time, the fact that we can figure it out, it exists in our fucking phones. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, a better lens and a better lighting and better. Those things do matter. I, but I still make my breakdowns in this rudimentary device here. Mm -hmm. And I share it through my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, it's sitting there in your hand, you know, and there, there will be the odd person. And I feel for people when they see a pod, listen to a podcast or they see something and they have that knee jerk, like, you know, fuck that guy as if somehow you guys have something they don't have. Um, and I know that that's human nature. It's driven by fear or uncertainty or these things. But I always say to that person, it's like, there's no excuse. It's sitting there in your, your hand. Yes. From, you know, I have a phone in my hand to you guys have a podcast that's live on multiple things is a long distance, but it's just a bunch of little steps to get to that long distance. It can all be done. We have hundreds of examples of people doing it. There are plenty of soccer moms who suddenly sell something online. Uh, my wife is a, is, a, is a performer. She sings and acts in, in musical theater. She has an Etsy store. Uh, she's been working on it for years now, but her Etsy, she, once upon a time, she didn't know what Etsy was. Now she's a very, very successful Etsy store. You know, mm -hmm. this is sitting there. We can all do it. And sometimes you see there's a lot of the world is like encouraging people. And I like to try to do that. I like to try to let people know that they could do stuff. And people wonder why that is. But I think it's because you feel right now that people are hesitant or scared or paralyzed or like, you know, that analysis paralysis. They're thinking about what they'd like to do, but then they don't do something. And that's a scary thing. I feel for people who are sitting there like that, you know, but all, the answer is action. The answer almost always, almost any problem is action. It truly is. Yeah. I mean, if you got, you got to find your way out of a dark room, you're going to bump into some walls to find your way out. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but it's it's it is you're right though it is an easier it there's a, there is a native instinct i think that people have maybe for uncertainty and a tolerance for that kind of thing whereas others just for whatever reason that you know i don't know if it's upbringing or primordial design or whatever but i think there's yeah. a lot of people that just don't have that and we both probably need each other <laughs> to survive mutually. yeah maybe so <laughs> yeah. maybe so i mean it's not a coincidence that <sighs> Do you ever have a conversation with somebody, could be, you know, on social media, could be in real life, could be on a podcast, hanging out, and you realize how different you see the world on something? It's like, that's good. Like, mm -hmm. it's good that we got a lot of people who see the world differently. Currently in 2020, it appears to have caused a lot of problems as well. Uh, as we're trying to figure out how to make it all work that we see the world differently. And as maybe our 
differences are being amplified by many factors. But but the idea in the long run, and it's historically been true, and you hope that the future history will be true. The fact that we're all a little different uh, while also being similar is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, jo- no. and Joe is really different. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing, Joe. <laughs> no, I think uh, uh, no, I think that's completely true, and I think that on some level, I mean, that's that's where that curiosity thing comes in, I think, and that's where is you know, especially in all these different creative projects that we're doing, or you know, a fighter's style as it develops and things like that. It's like that personal curiosity, that one of a kind thing. That it's like the way that you think, the way you put ideas together, the way you want to express yourself, you know. And it's like little by little, you know, even though we're all doing Muay Thai, you know, this is yeah. this is you know, uh, 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 Shan Sai's Muay Thai, or this is so somebody else's yeah. Muay Thai, or this is uh, um, you know, uh, this is Muhammad Ali boxing, which is yeah. unlike anyone else boxing that kind of thing that's true it's an it's identity you know it's such a weird process i was talking to i have a friend dr Stu mcgill and he studies um he's a professor of spine biomechanics Mm. i've seen you've talked you've interviewed with him before haven't you yeah i just did one yesterday and in fact when i did this um breakdown on how you know i get hit and i get buzzed and then i throw back and that moment we see over and over again. And we use any number of little things. Oh, you know, uh, he countered him or it's a right-hand counter or, you know, he got buzzed, <laughs> he bit down on his mouthpiece. But, you know, my curiosity and what I want, what I'm hoping to do, like, I don't want to just say knock out power with both hands and get paid to wear a suit. Like, that's not my, <laughs> that's not my pursuit. That's a byproduct of my pursuit. My pursuit is what's really happening and what can we learn from this? And how is how how will we look at this and go, holy fuck, I didn't know that about humans. And so I'm like, what is that thing? And I, you know, and I actually started on this about probably 10 years ago now. I was fighting and and I, I had a boxing coach. My boxing was kind of a limitation early on. Billy Martin and and I just loved the guy. And we and I trained with him at least four times a week for years Mm -hmm. and one of the things and we you know when i throw my right hand now whether it's henry hooft or you know um dwayne ludwig or whoever is holding pads for me at whatever point they always go oh fuck that's a real right hand because he trained that into me but Mm -hmm. the the other thing he trained into me was when we were at the bag and he would sit there so patiently day after day for for a year years he would throw a punch and i would slip it hit the bag slip it hit the bag slip it hit the bag in a boring yet i i i have i found a natural um inherent joy in it which is why we train anything uh-huh. uh, and i loved it and i love him and i wanted to to please him is that that which is an important part in some coaches you would mm. just whatever it is about that he or she you just want to make them happy mm-hmm. it's a really strong thing about co- a particular relationship but over and over that, tens of thousands of times and then one day i'd be sparring and that jab would come and i'd slip it and throw and i never thought i never planned it i never did anything it just fucking happened Mm -hmm. and i could not fucking believe this like Mm -hmm. and i mean it happened always Mm -hmm. and uh, you know people generally don't say oh i was sparring with this guy and i punched him and i'm certainly not trying to say that however and let me use an example uh, because he's a friend, Sam Stout. So Sam Stout, after this punch, 
I will preface this by saying he kicked the fuck out of me. He kicked the <laughs> fuck out of me because he was a much higher level martial artist than me. But he was very surprised. Punch kick, slip, boom. First punch, first jab, slip right hand. I would do it in all, every training session until after a while you did it and then it didn't work anymore because the guy knew that you were going to do that. He'd fake a jab or he'd do some other thing yeah. to exploit you. But I, just, <laughs> suddenly I could do this and I couldn't fucking believe it. And I knew I wasn't thinking about it. I knew, but I knew something had changed in my brain. Like, and I also knew that the words we had for it were not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I had trained a reflex or muscle memory or these things that we say were just the word we, and we do this a lot. And this is part of the process to studying anything passionately. So you look and you go, I see a thing. I recognize that's a thing. Wait, there's a word for that thing. If you stop there, you actually didn't really do much analysis. You reckon that's a low kick, there's a check. And this is a part of how my job is often done at a mainstream level. Oh, beautiful right hand. Oh, an unbelievable check. Look at the timing. All we're doing is seeing a thing, recognizing that thing, and then using the sounds that we make with our face and applying it to that. It's not actually analysis, really. That's low-level analysis when you're like, I don't know what these things are. Oh, it's these things. But the next level is, what is that? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's muscle memory. Well, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Like. What do you mean it's muscle? What is that thing? My muscle doesn't have any memory. Oh, wait, it's strength. What does it actually mean? So I started to study, and this is going on 10 years now, started to study, you know, you had to study the brain. Mm. You just didn't have any choice. And so for eight, nine years, focus the mechanics of the brain, how the, how our neurology works, how our brain moves our nervous system. This has become one of my obsessions. And I have six or seven, and I usually won't talk about them till 10 years later, till thousands of hours later because just again saying the thing will not really tell you anything i've got to understand it so that when you hear the words that i use you can relate the fact that that i i've learned something that has to be a real thing it has to be real in my understanding and then i have to over time talking about it with friends like you guys share an idea and then develop a language that makes sense that an audience could then digest it it wouldn't sound ridiculous to them. Maybe it's funny or interesting or we use some particular shape of, of language to tell it. So I started doing that. And then w- with this piece with Sergio, there is a, a mechanism of training your brain. To, and we all know this inherently. You know, if you're playing, there's certain, it's called an engram. An engram is sort of a, a, a sequence of actions that you've programmed into your, yourself to do when a particular stimulus happens. Uh We all have a million of these. Something happens and we duck somewhere along the line that engram happened, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, you're like, well, did I see the thing? Did I think about ducking? What was my mental process? Uh None of that happened. There was a neurological response that had been pre-programmed into you either intentionally, like slip, punch, slip, punch or mm-hmm. unintentionally for some reason something happens and we and we have a reflex and some has probably been there since before we started moving maybe it's just in mm-hmm. us but that's uh-huh. real uh and so i started to get together with my friend dr Stu, and then i i built this piece on sergio and then i ran it past him and i sent it to him and he loved it and then i did a podcast with him yesterday to talk about it in more detail and he just fucking gave me such kind compliments like he was like if i was still teaching i'd have you come in and present this to my class oh. and, and it's just such a fucking i don't know how i started talking about dr Stu, but he is one <laughs> of my very 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 favorite and we kind of all develop our 
crew or our tribe. I'm in your guys' tribe and you guys are in my tribe. Well, Dr. Stu is one of my favorite people uh-huh. in, in, because he's a, in his 60s and he's literally been studying the spine and the nervous system and how it works with a human being since he was 20. So, mm-hmm. the, and, and what he can tell you about how humans move and why they move and what the mechanisms are is fascinating. And usually what happens is you, through talking to him, it'll start a self-directed research that'll last for fucking five or six or eight years or maybe never end for yeah. me. But these are the people that you want kind of right. in that process who force you to kind of go down certain paths and learn certain things. Mm-hmm. I love and people, these are people like that. Yeah. You go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, I love people like that. Like the people that are, you, that guy's like standing in front of you in line at a coffee shop or something. Yeah. and looks totally unassuming and you have no idea that this guy's, you know, his mind is just this insane reservoir on this focused point of yeah. just absolute astronomical knowledge. Like that's, I, I, I love anybody that's just gone down the wormhole and stayed yeah. in the wormhole. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I'll tell you uh, quickly, that story meandered everywhere. And I've, I have been drinking a lot we love of coffee it. today. That's, that's I have great. A lot of, Drink a more. Lot of things, you know? <laughs> but uh, but uh, I was in Los Angeles <laughs> and I had, oh, is that an art fight podcast? Uh, that is, that, oh, well, oh, why that is, why that is. Yes, it <laughs> yeah. is an art fight you gotta podcast. You got to send me one. I will okay. use, I will use <laughs> We will send you one. I've got we'll my Rogan you. podcast somewhere here that I use, but I will definitely use your guys. Okay. So I was in LA and I met this, this made friends with some people. Now this one woman that I'm friends with, her husband is the world's greatest trumpet player of a particular type of Ethiopian jazz. Wow, I love And, and I heard music. that and I was like, holy fuck. This is, this. <laughs> oh, like he, Mahmoud Ahmed he, type shit. Yeah, yeah, mm. uh, he, yeah, he produced like Solange Knowles album. Like he's a big producer too. Mm. And that's how he makes his living. But he's also Simon... Uh, is his last name? I forget. Todd Simon, Todd Simon, and so and White, his his wife, uh, is an old friend of mine, and so we were hanging out. And man, to to understand the level of special in the whole world, if you want to know about Ethiopian jazz, trump, uh, trump, trumpet playing of Ethiopian jazz, t- Todd Simon's your guy. So I'm hanging out with them, and I'm fascinated by it. And they tell me about a gentleman who is the guy who creates those water fountains in uh, Vegas. Mm-hmm. And uh, anywhere you see those, those, and so they put me on, and I was talking to them about fighting and they're like, you know, God, hearing you, you remind us so much of this friend. And I forget his name now, this friend of ours who, you know, has created essentially the, the modern super fountain that you see <laughs> that they use with, with water and stuff. And I, so I got to talk to this guy. So mm-hmm. they put me on the phone with him and he is so stoked about to tell me about this <laughs> and, and basically he's like listen what we do is we train water i'm like what do you mean but then he starts to break it down about how you line up by doing it in a certain way and creating a certain vibration you're lining up the water molecules in such a way that this and i'm hearing this guy and i'm like holy fuck this is his whole <laughs> life but this is the world right these are like these are such ex- oh, i'll try to find his i mean the Fighting is a big part of what you guys do, but I'll try to track him down because you guys should definitely talk to him. Okay. Um, but think of that, dedicating your life to, to training 
water. And <laughs> the, the rest of us hear it. We don't know fuck all about about water. You know, we'll be like, you can't train water. How the fuck am I trying to tell the world's foremost expert on training water? You can't train water, right? Like, uh, but this is the as a water whisper. It. It's like, what do you, what do you mean, he, be like water? It's own water's ass. Yeah, create water. Like, it was wild. Like, and to hear him, but you know, then you see this beauty. When you watch those fountains and the power that they have and the, the rhythm and all these the music that they create, mm. and you're like, "Fucking right, that guy is training water. Fucking mm. right, he is." And then you hear him talk about it. But that's what mastery of your craft is. Mm. Mastery of your craft is going out and in multiple paradigms, viewing it and connecting it to these things. You know, uh, that's that's the that's the mastery of it. You know, it isn't one thing. It isn't doing martial arts it isn't commentating martial arts it isn't you know um the psychology of it. it isn't muay thai it isn't timing it's over time seeing that all of those things connect and they're fluid um but and maybe i'll never get there and maybe you know the potential of understanding that's there you know maybe who knows how far we can go down if we study something obsessively for our entire life? Who knows how far we'll we'll be able to reach? Uh, but wherever it is, you know, it's worth it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, like, you know, like you're talking about your friend, uh, uh, or you uh, are talking about this gentleman who you were able to connect with and realize, you know, this guy's, you know, on fire about this thing I don't even know anything about. That I think that's also, you know, the the sort of feeling you get from those people, or the feeling you get uh, for the coach that you want to please and all that stuff. To yeah. me, that's that goes back to what you were talking about earlier about these award shows and how how this particular world MMA award situation is special because it's not just the industry, you know, recognizing the people who, yeah. you know, are the celebrating themselves essentially in some way because it's good for business or it's not just the yeah. fans who are entertained by this and they pick the, the funniest clown or they pick the, the, the loudest voice or whatever it is, you know, where, when you're talking about the people who are actually doing it and in the middle of it that are, that are essentially your, like you say, who are your peers, then all of a sudden when those yeah. people turn and they say, Hey, you nice, nice, right. You know, or, Hey, great idea or whoa, yeah. that's the craziest concept I've ever heard. It means so much more because you know that they know what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or at least, you know, we all will eventually start to, and it does seem like brothers. You'll be like, Oh my God, there is somebody obsessed about their thing. And suddenly you feel some brotherhood connection mm. to them because mm -hmm. you understand what they do and how, how driven they are to do it for whatever reason. And there's, there are people that, you know, the act of doing is a big part of it that by doing you learn and you improve and then you get better at the stuff. So if it's say it's making videos about, about cooking, you got to cook and make the videos. You could make 10 a year, <laughs> and that would be good. But if you made a thousand, you would do the process a thousand times. And in doing so, you would for you would learn all these things about it. But somebody else brought to my attention, speaking of the um, MMA award nomination, and this was about 10 days ago. And a friend of mine was like, the thing is, bro, like, you know that these people are, are um, nominating you for your work because you're not very well liked. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you mean? And, and what do you mean I'm not well liked? He goes, and he's he's a good friend. He goes, he goes, I'm not trying to be rude. He's like, you just aren't aware. He's like, you seem arrogant. I was like, what? 
<laughs> and he was like, yeah, you seem arrogant when you're like traveling around these places. You seem like you're, you're judgmental to like the people who are, you know, journalists or storytellers or whatever. And you're not necessarily nice to everybody. And you don't have a lot of friends in the in the field. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, holy fuck, he's right. <laughs> like, I, I go into these places and I'm and and I'm gonna try to be better, but not in any artificial way. Like I, that was the other thing. It's like then I thought about. It. I was like, but I thought this guy was my friend. Like let's say Bretham Okamoto. I, I'm like, I think I'm friends with Brett Okamoto, and I'm pretty sure that I am. But, I, <laughs> but we never really know how others perceive us. So in my mind, I'm like, I, and I'm just choosing him at random because sure. I really do like him. And he's a very sweet guy. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing him at random. And I'm like, whenever I see him, I'm happy to see him. And, and I think <laughs> I'm nice, but I'm seeing mm -hmm. me the way that I see me. I'm not necessarily at all recognizing that that individual, I'm somebody walking around in the world of them, and they will have their perception of how I am based on information that they glean. They don't know my motives. They don't know that I'm like, I like everybody, and I want to like, and I'm like excited like a little kid. All they know is I'm like, like this, and I'm hyper-focused, and I'm like looking around, and I'm doing my shit, and like, they don't know that I'm actually like super stoked to see them. So it was a really eye-opening thing. Like, well, confidence confidence feel... can have a problem or create problems in that way, right? Because if you're self-assured, even in your lack of knowledge or uncertainties in certain areas, you know, you do know what you know, and you believe in your philosophy yeah. and your path and your mission. And so anybody, like in my experience, I find that people that have a problem with me probably have a reason to say that yeah. <laughs> but, at the, but at the same yeah. time i do think that what sets the platform for that to kind of go south is just sort of uh when when you seem very self-assured and you're just confident yeah. for whatever reason man that just can set the stage for weird vibes it can but when i'm really on a trip of trying to find my False is the easy word to say, but my role in any scenario, because I cannot control what you actually think. Mm -hmm. I certainly can't control how you act. So if anything is not quite the way that we would like it, the only thing that I could possibly address is what I am doing wrong or different or not doing enough or whatever. Uh, it's also you have to, the, the shortage we have is time. So it's like, it does matter to me that people would know that I have a kind vibe towards them, but not enough to infringe on the amount of time that I have to do my fucking purpose, mm -hmm. right? So then you start to, and this is all the opportunity cost of life. It's like, mm -hmm. I would really like that person to know that I like have good vibes with them. I like seeing them. So all you can really do, and you certainly can't be distracted by that. So all you can really do yeah. is make sure that if you have some positive feeling towards a friend or a colleague, that you express it. Mm, right. Because they don't know that you're thinking, I'm sure glad to see that guy. So what I took away you from this it Joe? wasn't. Yeah. Yes, Brian. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. What I took away from it wasn't spent, because I'll never be good at this. I'll never <laughs> want to do this. And I see it as the opposite of what I believe. And that is figuring out how to do politics or like be a schmoozer or whatever that word right. is in such a way that it would be of benefit to me. To me, that's the opposite of how I look. And any conflicts that I've ever had in business have been 100% my unwillingness to acknowledge that that thing is a thing. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I literally am like, I don't give a fuck what games we're supposed to play with that guy who manages this department. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if I spend all that effort just doing really fucking killer work, that that'll, that'll work out better. And mm-hmm. it, that's not always true. Mm. But it's you got to have some philosophy, and that's mine. Right. So I definitely can't suddenly be in like, oh, hey, great to see you. I'm going to be consciously aware that I want to like make more friends in my field, and that ain't ever going to be me. But mm-hmm. but what I what I did get from that is, wait a second, are you expressing your your positive feelings? Are you letting people know you like them? Are you letting people know that you care about them or that that they're important to you or you value them? Um, because that isn't any longer. That's the thing I'm hoping is valuable because that has nothing to do with MMA awards or like, you know, that's right. real life. Right. Like, do I tell my friends? And I started actually doing this just in the last, you know, a couple of months. I started telling my male friends that I love them. Mm-hmm. And it freaks them out a little bit at first. Mm-hmm. But it starts <laughs> to actually be cool. And now a couple of them are like, yeah, I love you too, bro. Like, this is really good. Like, this is a good thing. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be telling Brad Okamoto or like whoever I <laughs> see at work, only see six times a year backstage somewhere. I love you, bro. That would seem like a fucking weirdo. But that idea, that idea of doing that with my friends and the people right. around me and my close coworkers, I think is a val- really valuable thing. Uh, because again, you're not, you're not changing something or doing something that's not real. You really think highly of this person. Right. But for some fucking reason, your upbringing or the environment you're in, you're not telling people how you feel about them. And uh, and that's not good. Like, mm. you know, I have my I have close friends, John, Mark, Andre, Evan. I have a ton of close friends. It's like, do I let them know how important they are to me? And then now I, I start to. And you know what inevitably will happen? It happens to be fresh in my mind right now. In four months, I'll forget again. I'll overly obsessed with my work and there are things close to me. I'll, I'll forget sure. again. But being aware of it is how we well, we learn anything. Look, right? I, I, right. it's probably a little bit forward, Robin, but but I love you, okay? I don't know if I you're f- going to end today with I love you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, so we'll still do that. I, I do still know that you got to turn the corner pretty quick because I know you've got some uh, important things to get to, Robin. But uh, to- I think we got fifteen or twenty minutes. She cool. won't kill me. I All mean, right. when I say that, sometimes yeah. she'll be like. Fucking well, there's I'm t- just going to help my wife out with something later. So there's, there's, let us know, but we'll go a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah, there's, okay. t- there's two things I want to make sure we get to. And, and uh, yeah. one is sort of more philosophical and the other is uh, pretty specific in terms of Bellator 242 and yeah. all that. So um, but the, the thing I wanted to talk about real quick is, um, you know, you are uh, obviously a very curious uh, person. And that is what drives you is just a passion for curiosity, almost as an art form unto itself. And I think that, um, you know, I think we all kind of fit into that category in some way as just really uh, expressive and curious uh, uh, people. But I guess one of the things that I have found to be the greatest, the greatest challenge for me, and I see this in a lot of other artists and creative friends, um, is, you know, you're, if you're a curious person, that means you're going to have a lot of input and you're going to have also a lot of ideas and you're going to mm-hmm. have... You're going to have opportunities to create these sort of to manifestations of these uh, ideas into greater constellations of ideas or to something specific or, or whatever. And um, a friend of mine said this to me once and it always stuck with me. He said, he said, what I'm really into, though, is manifestation governance. And I just really, I really, I mean, we were super, we were super baked when he said this, but it made sense. Um, No, but the thing is, is that uh, I, I, when I observe people like you, Robin, you know, I think 
how do you like how do you put uh all of that boundless curiosity into sort of uh into lanes and i know that you struggle mm-hmm. with this i know that you i know, do i know that this is a, a constant thing right especially like your relationship to social media or how much mm-hmm. time am i spending on this versus that and where's the real meaning or what's yeah. what is the real experience or what is really valuable but ultimately i guess i'm just curious about like your your sort of thoughts on this concept of kind of manifestation governance or um yeah. how to sort of uh, contain things in a way that doesn't hinder, but just directs. So uh, it's, that is, you're a hundred percent right. That is an ongoing pressure and stress that I have. And I don't know necessarily the answers, but it's funny. Again, my friend, Dr. Stu is fresh in my mind because he's one of these really fascinating guys. You guys actually, I should hook you up and you'd love him. Um, on my YouTube channel is my chat with him yesterday or whenever it was, but I asked him kind of that, like, how do, what's your thing? What are you doing now? What's next? Where are you going? And he gave me an answer that I think would be his answer three years ago and will be his answer three years from now. He's like, I keep getting presented by problems. And when I get to, I don't know, that's now where I'm working, you know, like, because, and that's, I think that's the root of it, you know, I don't know, or I'm not sure, or another in, in my field, in our field, I think it's how and why, like the next thing is how and why. Okay. Um, like I was saying about, um, getting hit, you get buzzed, you know, you bite down on your mouthpiece and you throw back or muscle memory or whatever. It's like, what actually is that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's this. Well, how? Well, because of this. Well, why? And if you keep asking it, you keep going deeper. And then, so that's the self-directed nature of it. And then you must, I believe you must physically do it or else it's all theory. And we often get this. It's like people will be like, you know, you don't have to do it because you can study it, examine experts, read about it, whatever. But I don't understand why anyone would think that's an either or. It's not like go train martial arts or go play piano or go make movies, or you could go to theater school and and read about making movies and study movies and watch lots of movies and review movies. It's like you you do both. Mm-hmm. Both is the answer. And so you keep doing. Um, but yeah, the the governance, the the figuring out how to do it. I think that's the that's the realistic problem that's always ongoing. And and I think the root philosophies. That you have to conti- that I continually re- uh, try to recognize that help is I get reminded it's like whatever wh- wherever here is whether that is where I am right now here is let's say the quality of my work or how many people I can share my work with or you know what I'm gonna what type of breakthrough I want to have or what I want to say or what I'm trying to learn wherever here is whatever got me here is not what will get me here. And that's just a fact. And that fact is spurs you to continually examine it. So a big, I'm hoping a big breakthrough for me uh, is less social media. And I just said this the other day. I was like, I really, I took so much pride in literally answering every single person that took time to, to, to uh, message me mm-hmm. with anything. I'd like, not only did I do that, I was fucking proud that I did that, but I cannot do that anymore. Mm -hmm. If I do do that, I will not get better at my work 
and I will not be happier, more content, and more serene. Lean, mean, serene fighting machine. Because <laughs> I, I asked a fighter, I think it was Ra- Raphael Stotts. I said, "Are you like serene right now? You know how you feeling? Mean and that's what I said. Mean and serene." He said, "I'm a lean, mean, serene fighting machine." I'm like, yes, um, that idea. You, you know that idea that you can be serene enough to do good work, to grow as an artist, to improve mm-hmm. your stuff, to be happy at home, and do be healthy and all that shit. That that's being undermined by this. And the other, it's the other thing. The idea that I thanked everyone when I was proud of it was because I literally saw it, went, holy fuck, that's so cool. And I over and over and over, I thought that. This person took time because they saw something I did that I worked really hard on to say, I like it. Or they said something mean and I thought, I might be able to trick them into being a little happier or whatever. <laughs> but then for the last couple of years, because you know, maybe there's a quarter million people that follow me and a lot of them interact now, which is a fucking compliment beyond all comprehension. But as a result, I started seeing it as a responsibility, not something I liked to do or something I was grateful or thankful. So now all of a sudden I would finish all my work and I'd do stuff and then I'd be like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I started to just type, you know, one word and then other words would pop up. So it's like, thank and you so much will come up and then I click brother. (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm not really giving them the thing anyways. I'm not really honestly providing the the emo- the connection, the thankful connection that I was proud of. Now I'm just doing a thing because I feel it's a responsibility because mm. I've always done it. And now I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm distracted. Uh, and you get this weird feeling if you, if you burn it too long where all of a sudden you're like grumpy or disorganized or you've got weird anxieties or you apply meaning to things that aren't there and that's and I, I lived in that state for three or four days sometime in the last couple of months and a few other times ever in my life. And then right away, I'm like, how can I change this? What? And the answer is always go back and make make art, make shit you like. And as soon as I do that, I feel better. Uh, so now I'm seeing the thing that is making me less happy, less successful, interfering with my art is interfering with the thing that makes me better, happier, whatever. So that's, that's gotta, that's gotta change. Uh, but that you learn by understanding what got you here is not the thing that will get you there. It's assessing what you're, and, and also the root of what you're doing. I mean, there's so many things that have that ability that I never would have thought this. I never would have said this a, a couple of years ago, but there's all these things that have the ability to undermine my own thought process and happiness. Uh, and usually the way they do that is they get in the way of me doing the thing that I love to do. Uh, and I think I mistakenly, and that's the other thing too, You, what is it we do? Like, what are we doing here? Because answering tweets, if that's your job now, uh, then great, you're killing it. It's not making <laughs> you happy. You're not, cha- you're not creating anything meaningful. Uh, it's distracting you. You didn't get a workout in today and you ate junk food. Um, what are you doing? Mm. Whereas the other one is like, I take pieces of martial artistry and I analyze it and I study it and I peel back layers and find things I don't understand and then I study them for years and then figure out ways to explain it and then when I do and I put it out, I'm so excited. Uh, This thing is stopping me from doing this thing and this thing's genuinely made me happy and successful and a a better husband and a better person. So it it becomes self-evident, but I should have figured this out probably a year or two ago. 
if I was really paying attention or I was really, you know, being curious about my own process, I would have understood this a year earlier and I'd be further along. But lesson learned, it's still part of it. Hopefully, two years from now, my work makes breakthroughs. I, I'm making things that, that I never would have dreamed I could that are meaningful and interesting and t creating some other kind of value. And part of that path was this change. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, and then the other one, so I, I'm riffing here, but the other one is you, whenever in doubt, go to the basics. Am mm. I eating good? Am I sleeping good? Mm. What kind of exercise am I getting? Uh, am I doing any kind of meditation or mindfulness? Uh, if not, what the fuck are you doing? How did you end up here? What's the cause of that? You know, is it laziness? I'm not lazy. It's distraction. So, yeah, but this, and this shocked me when I felt really anxious and angry and weird, just you know, and then burnout is a part of it where you just burnout's a risk that you that is a very real risk when you do what you love all day. You don't want to think that, but literally you do what you love all day. Uh, and then at night I do it. And then in the next morning I do it. And the mm. only things in my life for long periods of time are my wife was my best friend, a couple of key friends, a, dist a, a walk with my dog and 12 or 15 hours a day of studying martial arts and making art around it. You will mm. burn out when you do that. You will. Right. Um, but yeah, that process also, you know, made me realize it's like, am I training properly? Am I eating properly? And oh, that's what I was going to say. So then in those kind of that period of being a little grumpy and a little weird, and a little reactionary, you know, and angry at the, the internet and stuff like that, uh, <laughs> I stopped and I was like, okay, uh, you're going to change something that's not healthy. But then once I started to feel better and a little more adjusted and a little more sort of into kind of, you know, that serene, lean, mean, serene fighting machine mm -hmm. that I like, I realized there's a lot of people who live th those, you know, that 10 days of burnout and four days of being really off. A lot of people who live like that for years of their lives. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people living that way right now. I'm not judging them and I'm not like, you know, looking down on them. They didn't plan that. Right. It's just the world we live in has a lot of these things, a lot of these traps that you can easily get caught in, even if you're looking for them, mm -hmm. even if you have a structure that you've built and you're fairly successful in what you do, you can still get caught. So imagine people who aren't even aware of them. There are people right now yelling at, at Facebook angry outraged about something as they get information eating doritos sitting on the couch taking pills for restless leg syndrome and all the, tra <laughs> all the traps that they got caught up in and fuck, that's a scary thing and what can once you realize that it's like oh my god like how what and what's that like when it's built on for weeks and months and years that's not a way to live so how can we change that and i think the answer is try the world needs more people doing good things doing shit they like uh, doing meaningful work, things they find meaningful. I don't think the world needs more of anything specifically. It just needs more people trying to do something positive, and whatever that thing is, you know. Uh, I think that's I think that's the only path. I, we certainly are not going to convince the guy yelling on on Twitter or Facebook, whether that's you, me, Steve, uh, anybody. We're never going to. That's another weird thing. I suddenly realized it's like almost nobody changes their minds these days mm. almost nobody mm. it's very so if that's true if we're looking at the world and going most people are not going to change their mind that includes you guys and me mm. love you guys 
I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg to differ. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If that's true, then why on earth would we try to spend any moments trying to change somebody's mind? Mm-hmm. If nobody's minds are changing, what the fuck are we doing trying to change anybody? And I know this to be true, but suddenly it's just been hitting me lately. It's like, wait a second. All of these things are traps. We talked about this before, too. Our own opinions are traps. Mm-hmm. Our own opinions are traps. And then any effort to change the opinion of somebody else is an even deeper trap. And those things will get in the way of your life and your happiness and your art and your family and all mm-hmm. of those things. It's fucked up. The world's a fucked up place. And humans are fucked up. But this conversation... Uh, with you guys is so incredibly valuable to me mm-hmm. to even just you say these things out loud to some people everything we're saying sounds insane right now <laughs> <laughs> but, but to us we're like welcome to the second. art fight podcast yeah, exactly <laughs> wait a second by th- by realizing these hazards exist mm-hmm. in our modern world we will inocu- inoculate ourselves ever so slightly against them and or make you know, take actions to prevent them from from happening or getting worse or whatever. But that's all part of it. And I, I don't just think back to your original question. I don't think that's part of, you know, just trying to figure out how to get better as an artist or do meaningful work. I think what that's everybody's issue right now. That's the world we're in, and that's you know, and it's it's a spooky thing. But we got to be on top of it. We gotta yeah. we gotta live our best lives, as the kids say. Yeah, no doubt. Brian, you said you wanted to ask the question about the yeah. upcoming Bellator event. Well, nothing specific. Just uh, oh. I just figured I, I, I feel like with Robin, we can just go, okay, Robin, Bellator 242. And then we don't have, even have to have it. <laughs> yeah. like, it's not even a question. Like, like, why, why, why am I going to bother like trying to form some path? Like, why do, I need to, <laughs> do I need to set something yeah. up for this guy? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, fuck. There, that's true. Um, but when, when anything can be said, that's also very intimidating, right? Uh, I I do have an angle. I have an angle. Yeah. Uh, here's my angle. Like, um, you know, obviously a big return for Bellator. This is a big deal. Um, I think that it would be foolish not to fully acknowledge, um, you know, what has happened with the UFC over the last few months, six months, you know, with all the mounting sort of fighter pay and all the other things, you know, I don't want to get into all that shit, but, but basically just, I feel like that the general flavor of of the UFC, the power that they had from, from a brand perspective, I, I don't, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm more of like a hardcore or whatever, but I don't feel like that the mojo is there, right, uh, as much. Uh, I'm not saying there's not still brilliant, amazing yeah. things going on and Herculean efforts, and I'm not meaning to be disrespectful to the UFC yeah. at all. I'm just saying just in general, there's like a sheen of, uh, like I'm magnetized towards like the people that are kind of the underdogs that are making good. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Bellator's an underdog necessarily either, but I do feel like that right now, this event to me has this opportunity to show itself in a way in contrast perhaps to the UFC that is a mm-hmm. little bit unparalleled relative to the times that we're in. So I, I agree. Um, it should be said that, and I, and I always try to, I was aware that people the world we live in, if you ask like a, a UFC homer and a Bellator homer, they will give you different answers. So I would try to offer that I get to work for both. I analyze the UFC on on Sports Center in Canada 
and I get to analyze Beltros. So that I hope contextualizes that I don't really have a, a dog in it, um, but they are very fucking different. They are very different and their paths are very different. And, you know, when I really, so when you just remove any logo whatsoever, you just have martial artists fighting. Incidentally, you will notice, now that I've said this, you will notice that the words martial arts will be used 200 times in a UFC broadcast right now, and MMA used three, which I couldn't be fucking happier about. Um, uh, and that is, these things are somewhat intentional. Like there are talk, and again, this is a difference between the two of them. Uh, the UFC is highly produced, a highly produced television product. That television product, they have buzzwords. They have like all, not as much as the WWE, but certain things they want you to say, certain things they don't want you to say, certain language that they use. So when everybody's saying I'm a martial artist or martial arts, martial arts, that isn't by accident. Somewhere in there, somebody has has done a a test of the audience or like a whatever they call these things, uh, where Focus people group. go in and they all focus group or whatever yeah. and, and MMA is not testing well and martial arts is cool right now. And I'm thrilled by that. Um, so you see that, but it's highly structured, highly structured. And I do believe, but this again is my bias because I'm an early adopter. I'm a, you know, I like things to change and stuff. So it's biased by my perspective, but I feel like it's very formulaic and I feel like sports is very formulaic. And I feel like their presentation is an American sports league and they want that and they achieve that. But I don't know that that's all that fucking cool right now necessarily. They also very much, and again, this is just a company philosophy. I'm not talking out of turn. You could Google Dana White in this sentence and he will say it many times, I'm sure. But it's a brand first presentation of this highly produced television product. And if you Google or go on Instagram or whatever and put in, you know, uh, uh, who's the uh, featherweight champion of the world right now? Volkanovsky. Put him in there. And uh, there's not a lot of heat around these individuals at all right now. But it's about the brand. It's a fight island, UFC, you know, like. And so that that aspect, I think if I was another company, I would be doing the opposite. Let's make it about these individuals. Let's promote these individuals. Now, what would that do? One, it'll make you different. Any brand difference is good. And two, you might actually get more fighters later saying, you know, I wouldn't mind being over there. It looks really cool. It's mm -hmm. different. It's my so by trying to be less formulaic, I think that's a chat. And uh, this is all just sort of the outside the nuts and bolts stuff. Mm -hmm. But I spend a lot. And uh, again, this also, I think, is with that awareness that people are always worried, are you a Republican or a, or a Democrat? Like, or what are you? That will inform me as to what you're actually saying. Uh, I think I'm much closer to behind the scenes. So fighters, I fucking love the, the fights in, in both. You know, I even when my friends are commentating, I'm usually have music on and I just see fights and I don't, I see two bodies interacting and I don't see logos and none of that really affects me. But then the business of it, you know, I'm close to a lot of people in Bellator. The other thing is most of the big key people in the UFC are business people and television producers. Mm -hmm. Most of the people, and Bellator much smaller, they're all martial artists. Mm -hmm. Rich Chow, uh, the uh, matchmaker, is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh -huh. um, uh, Scott Coker, 
doesn't talk about this a lot, but he's a multiple level black belt in Taekwondo. And he's mm. one of these guys. Scott Coker, well, he's never talks about this. There's footage of him bending rebar with old Kung Fu guys. And like crazy. <laughs> he's got a weird Bruce Lee collection of like original Bruce Lee notes written on fucking napkins and stuff. Wow. Uh, uh, Mike Kogan, who uh, is one of their operations heads, he fought, he, he, he had a kickboxing match against fucking... Uh, uh, Douglas Lima. Oh my <laughs> like God. A, many years earlier when Douglas was like 18. Uh-huh. Like these are martial artists. So that is, you can say martial arts more when you're a sports company because it tests better. And that's cool. And like I said, I work for both. I want to keep both jobs because I really enjoy talking about the fights in both of them. But sure. you still have a bunch of jocks talking about a sport there. And that's cool because there's an audience for that. If you're Bellator, you have martial artists running a martial arts show, uh, selecting people based on skill and, and stuff. That's where you should mine. And mm-hmm. and they do to a certain degree. Listen, fr- tomorrow, Friday, people could be watching this anytime. It's Bellator 242. I haven't heard this from anybody in the company, but if I was the boss, my only goal is just exist on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Just exist. Uh-huh. We have you have these brilliant young fighters. Make give them an environment in which they can fight. Mm-hmm. Have a broadcast that exists. Yeah, uh, you know they like exist. Yeah. So right. the first one is about existing. It's like last week there was no Bellator. Sunday or Saturday morning, their Bellator is back. That would be your only goal. That would sure. be my only goal. Yeah. Then beyond that, it's like holy, and, and this is a, a high high priority for Bellator. And again, I'm closer with human, individual humans in Bellator than I am with, with the UFC. So I don't always know, you know, I can't speak to their motives, but Bellator seems to be more about, okay, Sergio Pettis and Ricky Bandeas, let's give these young kids a chance to have a beautiful, wonderful fight in this environment where we take care of them and let them have their experience. Because, and again, this is not, you know, the logical way to say this about UFC would be, they're just so big, they can't prioritize that. Uh-huh. They're so big, and they're such a machine that, you know, if, if this is how big Bellator, the, the organism that's, that's putting on a show on Saturday night, on Friday night, you know, the fighters are this big. If this is how big the UFC is, the fighters are still that big, right? So right. you are a less important, less, you know, mathematically um fraction the fraction of importance of yeah. you versus the ufc <laughs> yeah. is much smaller whereas in bellator it's much higher so if you're bellator you're like let that word get out however it gets out and maybe some other fighters will come along and there are young fighters coming up saying you know i want to fight in bellator it's not 25 percent yet but maybe it's eight or nine percent and that's mm. a lot yeah. patrick mix wants to be the bellator champion he didn't give up his ufc dream to go to bellator he wanted to go to bellator he wants to be a bellator champion in ireland and scotland and england and there um bellator has a real foothold there there are young uh, british and welsh and irish kids that want to fight for bellator so mm-hmm. that's a powerful thing uh, but even if all that happens could bellator i don't know in theory they're one-tenth as big maybe could they become two tenths or three tenths as big? Maybe. Does that matter to me? Uh, working for either or both or whichever one I would work more for in the future? Not really. I don't mm-hmm. really care. I just care about the fights. But this stuff is all still interesting. You see it up close. You see it happening. To study anything is to kind of see it in all things. you know. Uh, but 
Yeah, there. It's a, another weird one, though. When you think about it, is by the time <laughs> again they're very different. Bellator is like we will not take giant risks just to be back in in uh, you know on um, putting on shows. Sure. Where the UFC is litter, and if you know Dana and all the great things they've accomplished is for this is rooted in part because of this. He's like, I don't care what the fucking problem is, I will fix it. I don't care what the challenge is, I'll fucking crush it. That's mm -hmm. who he is, right? That's who he is. It's authentic. That's why you can't be mad when, when my dog barks. When he barks, I'm not mad. He's That's what he does. He's my <laughs> he, he barks. When Dana White's like, fuck this, I'll find a solution. I don't care what we have to do. I don't care what it'll cost. I don't care what the risk is. That's a beautiful fucking thing. That's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. On the other side, Bellator is like, at all costs, protect everybody, don't take undue risks. Don't put ourselves in a situation maybe, and I'm, this is in my mind. I haven't right. heard this from anyone. Uh, uh, don't put us, ourselves in a situation where suddenly we get, you know, we're in danger because something <clears throat> bad has happened. Protect the future. And yeah. then Dana's like, fuck the future. Right now we got to make it. <laughs> right? So those two things are very different. As a result, the UFC has done eight shows and Bellator is doing the first one. But in, I believe the thinking of the, of the, the, the life organism that is Bellator is, hey man, as long as we keep getting better, and it's my personal philosophy, as long as we keep getting better, as long as we keep being doing more meaningful stuff, and if we deeply give a shit, this will always grow. And I always believe that's true. Right. Yeah, no, that's really well said. I think, uh, you know, I find, I, I find Bellator to be uh, just, you know, it's an interesting space to me, specifically just because, like you say, there's that that difference between the the way the UFC's almost been, at least the way it's marketed and the way it's literally outfitted, et cetera, et cetera. It it it's it's been you know they've tried to give it the sheen of a team sport like basketball or baseball mm -hmm. or football here in the states, you know, to give it a legitimacy and make it something other than just like you know bloody cage fighting. And and that was obviously great strategy and probably yeah. the entire sport owes them a, a, a debt of gratitude because they plowed forward and made room for this sport with that shield in front of them, you know. And with that said. Now we live in a space where there's other promotions and promotions like Bellator are specifically interesting to me because their individual fighters are able to blossom mm -hmm. with a lot more personality. And that's so fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like if you're being totally honest and, and you knew a 19 year old that you thought could be one of the, you know, and you never really know this. And this is often tricked. A coach will be like, listen, Robin, you don't understand my mm -hmm. guy. I've been doing this for a long time and I've never seen a guy as good as my guy. And the truth is, is like, I have. And I know how quickly it's changing. You're comparing your guy to the guys of three years ago. There's a right. guy in Mexico right now, just like your guy. There's two guys in Japan's just like your guy. Your guy is better than everything you've seen before, but you don't know that the whole world has your guy right now because yeah. this is the level. The confirmation right? so yeah. bias, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you're right. You have never seen a guy this good and they'll say to me no you don't understand and I'll, I'll think you don't understand it's changing so fast you think your guy is an anomaly but he is part of a wave of a newly produced human being who's taken in in a new environment taken in new information in a way that makes him capable of things that two years ago people weren't and i know you're only seeing your guy but there's 11 of them yeah that i've seen yeah. And I haven't seen the other 33. So yeah. you can't really gauge it. But if you could, if you are Greg Jackson, who has seen this wave many times. So this is not a, my, what I'm saying right now is not only not a surprise to him. He has 
other layers of looking at it that I don't know. He would be able to gauge and go, well, this guy's 22. Uh, you know, if he doesn't blow out his knee, I think he could, you know, really get somewhere. Um, but it might take these days, it might take three or four fights. Um, he will make low amounts of money. He'll be on undercards. His his own world around him won't grow. He'll just be another guy in here. Um, maybe he'd be better off fighting in Bellator or one championship. Or, you know, and there are there are kids that that's true. Now, five years ago, if a coach said that to them, they'd be like, no, bro, you don't understand. My dream is fighting the UFC. I'm going to be a UFC champion one day. And that would be the thing they that coach could never get past. Because mm. that kid has a dream, and you don't fucking get it, coach. The UFC is the dream. The dream wasn't be a pro MMA fighter somewhere on planet Earth. The dream was mm. be in the UFC, meet Joe Rogan in the ring, have Bruce say that thing, don't, mm. and you can't get past that kid. But now, maybe 20% of them you could. And 20% of them would see that as a real thing. 20% of them came up and watched all the Bellator shows of, over the last three or four years and liked them. And actually, you know, knows some fighters that make a good living in there. So now it's a possibility. Right. It isn't 50% of them aren't going to go, but some will. And, mm -hmm. and if you're in there for the long run, if you're in there for the long haul of make a difference and grow and be bigger five years from now than you are today with better, more meaningful martial arts, then that's the route you take. You, right that, is a, that is a large improvement in the in the um, the situation of where Bellator is, that young there's some percentage of young fighters who are like fucking rights. That's a good job for me. Definitely, that's where I should be going, and that's a big accomplishment in a world where there's a you know a monolith. There's like a massive monster that that you have to somehow change that view for kids, and and some amount of kids they have that, and that's a big accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's. And it is a long haul. It's a long haul consideration. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so um, we should probably wrap this up because I know you've yeah. got this thing to do and I don't want to be the reason why you uh, yeah. meet, meet any scorn later. Um, <laughs> but uh, real quick, do you have anything you want to shout out? Any, any sort of new announcements or anything you want to get out there? Oh, yeah. Uh, Bellator 242 is tomorrow night. And uh, myself, Raymond Daniels, who is a world champion fighter, karate fighter, full contact sure. kickboxer, glory, and he's a genius. And Ray's a good dude. Myself, Ray Daniels, and my friend Mallory Woods, who's a, a high-level karate guy as well, who runs a sport fight uh, uh, platforms. The three of us are going to get together, watch Bellator, stream Bellator, uh, the undercard, and kind of do a, a virtual hang tomorrow night. Um, okay. I don't know exactly where we're going to stream it. I think we'll be streaming it on Bellator, Twitter, and Facebook, but I'll have the details by tomorrow morning, I'll put up a post about it. But I'm super stoked. Ray's a genius, yeah. and Mallory's a really brilliant guy. And we're just going to hang out, have a couple of beers, and watch the fights and talk about them. And I was actually working on today being able to import a clip that they'll send me from the venue and draw an analysis on it really quick mm. and then drop it to Mallory so he can put it up in our live stream. And I think oh, we'll pull that that's off. That's rad. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. So that'd that's be really cool. cool. Well, do, yeah. definitely do the beers, but like here, you mentioned Doritos earlier. Stay away from those things. You know why? <laughs> I because, know. I, okay, check this out. Have you ever taken a Dorito and just lit it on fire? <laughs> it burns like a candle. It just, you can wow. use, like if you're ever like in a survival situation and get some Fritos <laughs> or some Doritos, wow. just, just put them in your pocket when you're about to go camping because they are fire starter. There's so much saturated like oil in them. Uh, so it's crazy. Wow. Like you can take a, if you took a Frito right here and just lit it on fire, the flame would be up yeah. to here and, wow. you, and you can hold it for like a couple of minutes. It's not like a, yeah, don't eat that shit. Nobody should be eating any of that. <laughs> it's really, it's really no. good. 
Yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, but well, yeah. thanks so much yeah. for, uh, for the time, Robin. Joe, do you have any, uh, you have a, a, an art uh, exhibit that just went up today, right? Um, and actually, it'll go up. Um, it's, I mean, it's so weird to talk about any of these things, given the fact that you know people have to make a special appointment to go view them. But yeah. it's an art exhibition that'll actually open next Saturday night. And if uh, people go to the Nashville Gallery Association's YouTube channel at 6 p.m. Central Time, uh, the, the, the a video will go live, and you'll be able to go essentially tour all these different gallery shows. And one of them will be the Red Arrow Gallery in East Nashville, where we're doing a show called Breathless. And it's a, it's a big group show. It's about 15 artists and everybody's sort of responding to the challenges we've had here in Nashville specifically, which is we had a tornado this spring, followed by the uh, pandemic, followed by uh, our own version of the Black Lives Matter protests, which have now turned into uh, an occupation of our legislative plaza while uh, activists are trying to get uh, busts of Confederate soldiers out of the Capitol building. They've been there for like 42 days now. So we've got our, our own sort of local lens on all these things. And a, a bunch of artists are doing there's painting, there's photography, textile stuff, installation art, just all sorts of different stuff is going on. And uh, you'll be able to watch that video next Saturday night, uh, Nashville Gallery Association we'll YouTube the- channel. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put, we'll, put, we'll put the link in the description. Uh, and Robin, yeah, look forward to this thing tomorrow night. That sounds like such a great idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, it's going to be fun. Well, all right. So uh, we're out. We'll hang in the green room here for just a quick second on the way out. But uh, while I'm signing it, this whole uh, internet machine off. But uh, thanks for everybody for listening and for following and for uh, sharing by word of mouth and, and good goodwill uh, the things that we're doing. And we're almost to 100 episodes. So, uh, oh you know. God. And we'll uh, have Robin back for number 100 as well. <laughs> we're just, just going to do it. We're just going to call it. We're just going to call every episode after the 100th one, episode 100. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. just keep it. Like my mom and like when she turned 38. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I want everybody. you guys to know I love you. I love you very much. And yeah, I appreciate I love you your guys. time. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for being here. Love you. Yeah. All right. We'll see you in just a second, guys. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash podcast. click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.